Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a rewire.news podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that wonders whether 8.07 a.m. is too early to start drinking vodka. I'm Imani Gandhi. <laughs> and I'm Jess Piclo. Rewire.news is dedicated to bringing you the best reproductive rights and social justice news, commentary, and analysis on the web. And the Team Legal Podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So Jess, I did something the other day that if you follow me on Twitter, which you do, but listeners, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I don't really relish doing this thing. And that is going to the woods. (laughs) I went to the woods. I went to the woods. I went kayak. I put my dog in a kayak. I went onto the middle, out in the middle of Crystal Lake or Clear Lake. Crystal Lake. (laughs) It sounds a little murdery, Amani. It was pretty goddamn murdery, but it was fun and I made it back alive. But I'm wondering what you did in my absence. How did you cope? Oh, my God, Amani, I had a true law nerd moment. Okay, so Denver is hosting a conference for the Democratic Attorneys General Association. So that means that all of the Democratic AGs are in one place and practically my backyard. So you must have had some sort of nerdgasm, I imagine. A law nerdgasm of some sort? I mean... That's a fair <laughs> assessment of what was going on. Nerdgasm like, ah, right there. So ah! They're all here in one space. The rotunda. It was amazing. It was amazing. But I got the chance to talk to a Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum. She is awesome and doing some really great work. So let's give a little preview. In March, her office led the charge in filing a nationwide lawsuit challenging the Trump administration's Title X gag rule. Under the Title X gag rule, any organization that provides or refers patients for abortions is ineligible for Title X funding to cover things like STD prevention, cancer screenings, and contraception. Now, that rule is currently blocked. Yeah, and Oregon is also suing the Trump administration over new health care refusal rules they released in May. Those rules would allow folks to refuse health care services based on religious or moral objections. And these rules are especially terrible for LGBTQ folks. Now, these rules haven't taken effect yet, and Oregon and other states have asked a federal court to block them before they do. So she's doing all of this awesome stuff. And also, Amani, she sings. She sings. I sing. We should get together and become like a sort of like. I don't know. I could be the backup singer to like the attorneys general doo-wop group or something. Um, This is an amazing (laughs) idea. I was going with some sort of like law acapella group, but really a Democratic attorney general's doo-wop group sounds pretty fantastic. (laughs) Anyways, I was in law nerd heaven and I recorded it all for the pod. It's a very good interview. Ellen Rosenblum is amazing. And Jess, you can definitely tell that you are having a law nerd moment (laughs) with being able to talk about admin law with the Oregon Democratic AG. Fellow law nerds, I am thrilled to introduce you all to Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum. She's the first woman to serve as Attorney General for the state of Oregon. She was elected first in 2012 and then re-elected again in 2016. She co-chairs the Democratic Attorney General's Association, which elected the most diverse class of Democratic AGs in the history in 2018. Big applause for that. Her office has taken on the Trump administration's effort to roll back access to reproductive health care. Along with other attorneys general, Attorney General Rosenblum has sued to block both the administration's attacks on Title X family planning funding 
and more recently sued to block the quote-unquote refusal rules that would allow nearly anyone working in healthcare services to refuse care based on religious or moral objections. Thank you so much for joining us. I am thrilled to talk to you. Um, Thank you for having me. Yes. So my first question as uh, an attorney and a journalist and a person in the world is, what is it like to sue the Trump administration? Wow. (laughs) Well, we've gotten kind of used to it Uh at this point. Um, You know, we, of course, uh, always wish that we didn't have to sue anybody and that we could just uh, get our way uh, Mm -hmm. and get things resolved without a lawsuit. So, for Mm -hmm. example, in our consumer protection work, we're always about education and prevention Mm -hmm. before suing. However, when it comes to the Trump administration, I will have to tell you that um, we've been very successful Uh uh, going to the courts. Thankfully, we have uh, fabulous judges in this country who are willing to spend the time to prepare themselves and to understand and listen well to us. So we feel that it's a very important part of our work. And how does it feel? It kind of feels pretty good, actually. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine. On the one hand, I totally get it. Like, nobody wants to be in the position of going to court, right? When I was practicing law, one of the things we'd always sort of tell clients is, we are going to do everything we can to try and avoid that scenario, but that the courts are there for a reason. And... And they're important to that. So I get that. If I might, just in the area of some of the lawsuits that we brought, a lot of times there's a whole process that goes on, for example, after a rule is issued by a federal agency. And it takes a while before we're even allowed to go to court. We have Uh to go through a whole process of of commenting, Uh which takes a certain number of days to uh, have that process open. And then, of course, uh, the agency has Uh to read the comments and then uh, respond. And so by the time we sue, we've usually been pretty engaged in the issue and have done lots of things, as I said, to try to prevent having Uh to sue. On the podcast, we've talked about that administrative rulemaking process. I'm a Mm -hmm. huge uh, administrative law nerd. I could go on and on about (laughs) arbitrary and capriciousness for hours. I love it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think that the Administrative Procedures Act has been a really important tool in combating some of the worst impulses um, from the administration right now. And so it was interesting to hear you say, uh, to mention the notice and comment period, what would your office do during that process? Because, you know, as we've talked to with our listeners, that's when they can contact their uh, representatives and the mm-hmm. agencies and sort of do their citizen advocacy. But so what? how is your right. office involved then? Right. Well, it's really quite similar. Uh, if we choose to participate in the comment process, uh, sometimes our office will actually draft some co- proposed comments, circulate them among the Democratic AGs. There's mm-hmm. now, um, you know, 24 of us, uh-huh. uh, or excuse me, 27 of us, I apologize. Um, I'm going back to <laughs> last year. Uh, we now have 27 Democratic AGs. So it takes a little while to circulate mm-hmm. proposed comments. And my office, being a small state, of course, we aren't always going to be in the lead on that. Uh-huh. But if we often will then receive the proposed draft. We'll review those, and we will have a certain number of days internally among the AGs to uh, to either make some edits or agree or decide otherwise, but typically mm-hmm. we will agree perhaps with some uh, ideas of our own that we'll weigh in on. Then those comments get submitted just like anybody else's do. Interesting. We're, we just happen to be a group that is uh, interested just like any other public member would be. 
I'm really fascinated by this idea of cross-coalition work and um, attorneys general from different states working together. I noticed, for example, um, you uh, put out a statement recently in reaction to the wave of very extreme abortion bans that we've seen across uh, the country in places like Georgia and Alabama and stuff. Right. What can attorneys general in places like Oregon and California and Washington, how are your offices able to help um, and advocate in those spaces? Well, all of the Democratic uh, attorneys general uh, who are available, and it's typically all of us, at least uh, with uh, high-level staff, if mm -hmm. not ourselves, speak uh, once a week by phone. Okay. We actually do a roundtable phone call every uh -huh. Tuesday morning. And so we are always talking about what we're doing and trying to make sure that we're on the same page, that we uh, can help each other out. We can uh, sign on if it's a letter. We can join comments. We can lead on an amicus brief uh -huh. if we're not otherwise parties. And then, of course, we can join together in lawsuits that we're looking at filing, or at least be aware that another AG yeah. is in the process of uh, perhaps filing their own separate lawsuit. So we don't have any rules uh -huh. uh, in this regard. It's more just a matter of sort of collegiality and collaboration. And we really enjoy working together. We get to know each other personally at these meetings. Uh -huh. like the one that we're at now. And so we're very comfortable, I think, about um, sharing information. Uh, of course, if we're actually in a lawsuit, then we need to get a common interest agreement so that uh -huh. certain uh, confidentialities can be maintained. That's fascinating to me because there are just so many moving parts, right? Especially if you think of attorneys general offices as sort of the law firms of the state, Right? right, and so and mm -hmm. and working across boundaries in that sense. So um, we've talked about a little bit about how you sort of are the work you do before if you end up going to court. But um, let's say we end up in litigation, and I'm a former litigator, and so I sometimes joke that I kind of miss that world. And I have to ask this question because I was in court. Do you or your staff attorneys have things that you do to like psych yourselves up to get ready for oral arguments? One of my mentors told me that when I felt like when I, when I no longer felt like I was going to throw up before presenting an oral argument in court, then that was time to sort of hang up my hat that I had sort of lost my right. edge and it was, it was time to go. So what about your right. office? Well, it's always good to get the adrenaline pumping. And I will say that I rarely am the one uh -huh. who goes to court and actually makes the arguments. Uh, but I have gone a few times recently uh, to sort of carry the briefcases of uh -huh. my uh, top lawyers who do make the arguments. And I actually did make the opening statement in the recent Title X uh, gag rule case that uh -huh. we, uh, you know, as you indicated, we handled that on behalf of 21 states. Yeah. And we were also there with uh, sort of co-plaintiffs, the American Medical Association and Planned Parenthood in federal court in Portland. So I did have the thrill, if you will, of uh, getting to speak in open court again. But having been a judge myself uh -huh. uh, prior to becoming attorney general, I'm delighted to uh, defer to my uh, brainiacs yeah. who uh, <laughs> who go to court. I'm sure they get those stomach flutters still. Uh -huh. I know that that's just part of the name of the game when it comes to being a litigator or an appellate advocate for that matter. I have an amazing uh, solicitor general uh -huh. uh, who, of course, is the lead on our appeals, uh, Ben Gutman, and every, every AG does uh, uh, as well. And, of course, we... Uh, 
you know, we, we typically defer to them. Now, if a case goes to the United States Supreme Court, that could be uh, a different matter, but we haven't had one of those in a while. Well, if it does, maybe we'll work together and put a playlist because one of the favorite things yes. I used to do was make playlists for each of my cases. So I would get myself completely in I the zone. <laughs> so we'll work yeah. on some sort now, of... It, it, but as you said, it's important to get a little nervous, uh-huh. uh, get that adrenaline pumping. And I... I just, I'm so proud of the lawyers who uh, we all have representing the different states uh, on these cases. Your office is doing so much right now mm-hmm. um, on so many different issues. And Amani and I often hear from our listeners and our readers who are feeling just sort of overwhelmed by the news, by it seems like there's sort of, it's, it's relentless. It's not sort of relentless. It very right. much is relentless. Do you have advice or thoughts for our listeners on just how to hang in there through all of this? Oh my gosh. Well, I want to thank you because I think one of the things that's really valuable is to have people like you who actually understand the law and can also kind of translate it into uh, maybe a little bit easier understanding for the general public because it can be sort of overwhelming. Like, what does that mean? And you're you're that uh, medium oh, that can, yay, that can do that. So really appreciate Mutual that. Admiration um, also, I really think that it's great that there's been so much, um, you know, activism in the sense of just people finding something to do that makes them feel like they are contributing mm-hmm. to uh, at least being informed, if not acting. You know, take an organization like um, Indivisible. Uh-huh. We have, I, I assume you're familiar with that. Uh, so many people in my state have joined Indivisible groups. Uh, they've invited me to speak, come and speak to them and many others. And they are literally at the offices of our senators pretty much every Tuesday morning, not to demonstrate, but to get information uh-huh. and to provide information about the issues that they really care about. So I think that the more you can be actively involved and then also take a break. You yeah, have to take a break. You, really you don't do. have to watch the news mm-hmm. every single night. Even I take a break every yeah. once in a while from that because it can be overwhelming. And look, uh, it's been going on now for a while. And so the thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see total burnout to the mm-hmm. point where people no longer care. We cannot afford that. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep at it. The state attorneys general, the Democratic attorneys general will keep doing that for the people. But it's really important that, um, you know, we have your back and you have ours as we move this along and try to keep things from getting so bad that we can't ever recover. The taking a break is so important and it feels really hard sometimes to do that. I appreciate your home state because I am a diehard women's soccer fan and I love the Thorns. I have season tickets. (laughs) Yay, that's the greatest. I feel like I should end the interview on that note right there. What do you do to take a break though? I mean, as someone who is absolutely in the thick of it, how are you handling and what are you doing so that you don't burn out because we need you not to? Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I get energy from what I do. So that's a good thing. Uh, so my husband sometimes wonders if I need more sleep, but I think I get my, <laughs> my six to seven hours a night. Um, I personally uh, love to sing. So I'll sing every opportunity I can get. I adore my two little grandchildren. Uh-huh. So I get to spend time with them. And, you know, taking walks is really the best thing for me. What's your favorite thing to sing? Oh, my favorite thing to sing. Well, <laughs> I love Broadway musicals. So I, you know, as a kid, memorized just about every one of them. So just I can't anything. get you to give me like 12 bars quick, can I? Oh, my gosh. Uh, probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. It's how fine. About that? How about this? The hills are alive 
with the sound of music. Fellow law nerds, I am done here. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, this has been <laughs> a thrill. Musicals. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Um, um, I absolutely. hope this is helpful to your listeners. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you for hanging in with us. Where can our listeners go find out more information about what your coalition is doing? Well, uh, DAGA, Democratic Attorney General Association, has a website. Um, that's one place that you can go. I think you can go to any state attorneys general uh, website, or it's very easy to contact us. We're public officials. Mm-hmm. We're very accessible. We pride ourselves on that. So, And we all have staff who would be more than happy, our communication staff, to talk with anyone who'd like to, to be in touch with us. Uh, so please feel free. We have uh, Twitter and Facebook at Democratic AGs. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you all. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time and go thorns. Yes. <laughs> What I found really, really interesting about that interview is the ways in which different Democratic AGs are sort of coming together to make the law, the rule of law, better for all of us. I found that really fascinating. Absolutely, especially at a time when we are seeing so many really extreme attacks on our rights in various places. It's good to know that if you live in a state like Oregon or California or Colorado, that our elected officials are doing what they can to help our friends in places like Alabama and Mississippi enjoy. Georgia. That is important. It is important. And it's also pretty heartening to to hear how positive she is about the work that yeah. she's doing and how positive she is about collaborating with other Democratic AGs to move, you know, this country forward in a way that, I don't know, doesn't hurt the, the most vulnerable among us. I found her sort of energy, very enervating. She is just really a delight. And I mean, I probably could have talked to her for two hours on admin law alone and another hour on women's soccer. I mean, she was just really fantastic. I'm sad I didn't (laughs) ask her who her favorite Thorns player was. I had all my like Thorns gear on my bag, on my work bag. I'm kind of a super fan and I let let that go. But like I could have gone all in. I'm not a huge soccer fan, and maybe some of our listeners aren't either, so you should probably explain who and what the Thorns are. (laughs) Sorry. See, I got so excited. I got so distracted. Um, uh, The Attorney General is a season ticket holder for the Portland Thorns, and that's Ah. Oregon's professional women's soccer team. And so we got a moment to, as you can imagine, transition from admin law to professional women's (laughs) soccer. And like, what else do I need, Imani? We should have cracked a beer. That's all you need. Admin law. Law and soccer. It's like the sexiest things you could possibly want that, that to talk about. <laughs> it was really nice to just to have a change of pace and focus on something that was, um, you know, how folks really are pushing back against this. So we've reported a lot of really bad news recently, and it was nice to exist in a space of it's not all dire. There are avenues to push back and to fight back. So that's going to wrap up our episode for today. If you want to talk more about Ellen Rosenblum or The Sound of Music or professional women's soccer, you can follow me at Angry Black Lady on Twitter. You can follow Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. Bit of advice, don't ask me about women's soccer. Direct all the women's soccer questions to Jess. I got you Um, And you can also follow Rewire.News at Rewire underscore news. And join our Facebook group. Answer the questions, the new questions. We got new questions. They're fun. And we will let you right in. And aside from that, I guess we will see you on the tubes. See you on the tubes. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason-Piclo and Imani Gandhi. 
This episode was produced by Mark Folletti, who is also our executive producer. And the Rewire.News editor-in-chief is Jody Jacobson. 